that works, right? Yeah. That yeah. So, you know, the weather is cloudy, but sunny, moderate temperature, 19 degrees. So yes, definitely. <laughs> That's good to know. Is there a lot of traffic right now? Is there a lot of background always, noise? Uh, well, can you hear background noise? No, no, just curious. I just want to immerse myself in your experience as if I was in London right now. Oh, right. Yeah. Well, the if the windows would open, were open, you would just hear all the black cabs beeping at each other because it's rush hour now. So uh, yeah. and the queen, the queen's probably rolling by, you know, just like making some noise outside yeah, as well. Things you know, like that. Waving <laughs> out the window, Buckingham Palace. Yeah, yeah. What is it? Sh uh, palm, palm, shoulder, something like there's yeah, an I actual. Yeah, I think so. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, well. Speaking of this, we can do this because we are now officially live, and we are zooming our way to Facebook. And today is exciting because we have a chance to really visit London together. Uh, we've got Olivia here, and she is our special guest. She's a head of marketing at Hicks and I out of London, and we've got a great moderator who's going to keep this thing popping and basically dissect everything that Olivia knows about scaling up marketing and put it out there onto the internet for all of us to enjoy. And that's, uh, that's Rui Nuez. Am I saying the Nuez correctly? Nunes, close. Nunes, okay, close. that's cool, I was close. So, so Rui Nunes, and he's a director of marketing at uh, Fit, uh, Flybits in Toronto. That's right. right so, so we literally have a worldwide thing. I'm here in California. And this podcast of Scale Up Heroes is really the idea is to get people who are the Clark Ken during the day, uh, you don't see them change into their superhero outfit. And Olivia, I'm sure you'll have to talk to us about your actual superhero outfit. But when it comes to scale up, this is different than startup. Startup is scrappy and we're doing everything we can to get going. Scale up is when you've got the money in, now you're scaling. How do we get 50 new employees within the next month? How do we turn these individuals and, and attain and require or retain talent and, and attract talent? All this amazing stuff that gets really confusing and really expensive. And that's why we're going to break it down here. To get more of these types of podcasts for all of your scale up needs, go to it's the scaleupacademy.io. And it's a great group of individuals. Every week we're here basically live to bring you to London. Uh, well, and we're all around the world as well. But Rui, I'm going to let you take this away. Uh, I'm excited for this to be this sort of fireside chat. Uh, I might chirp in and I'm sure we're going to have a lot of great discussion and dialogue. So at the end of the day, we know how to scale up marketing. Rui, take it away, buddy. Thanks, Ryan. I appreciate the intro. Um, so I'm really excited. Uh, I'm really excited to take the call here today and be joined with Olivia. Um, one thing I'm also excited about is to eventually see the hand puppets come up from Ryan later on. So <laughs> stay tuned for that. Um, so he will, you know, Ryan's hand puppet will come on at some point and, and share its uh, scale up strategies. Um, but yeah, just like uh, just like Ryan mentioned, my name is Rui Nunes. I am the director of marketing at Flybits. Um, we're located in Toronto, but we actually have offices uh, across the world. Uh, we also have an office in London and an office in uh, in California, uh, Redwood City. Um, we are a digital experience platform um, at Flybits. Uh, so we essentially help enterprise uh, businesses, specifically in financial services, deliver next generation contextual experiences. Uh, and I'm joined uh, by the lovely uh, Olivia O'Sullivan, uh, the head of marketing at Fix and I. So I'm going to give her a chance to do her uh, her intro, and then uh, and then we'll get started. Ah, oh, thank you very much, Rui, for a, a lovely introduction. Um, it's great to be here. Um, so yeah, I'd be delighted to kind of share my thoughts and ideas um, and kind of my experiences of scaling up marketing teams. Um, I've done it quite a few times in some previous roles that I've done. 
um you know it certainly takes um the right type of person i think to be able to tackle uh, scale ups um it's not for the faint-hearted uh but it's great fun and it's a brilliant challenge and it's a wonderful learning experience and uh, very rewarding as well i think so um uh as uh Rui quite rightly said i'm um, head of marketing at pix and i uh, we're a scale-up business um our head office our commercial team is out of london here in soho which is where i'm uh, currently speaking from we also have um our r d office over in tel aviv um in israel which uh is predominantly where the majority of our business are we have about 30 guys um out there all building um really kind of high-end uh deep uh artificial intelligence technology um here in london we have a commercial team and uh, that's where we um kind of take our product to market um pix and i enables companies to build uh, or better understand their customers through on-device ai and deep learning capabilities um, and specifically, we help kind of brands um, hyper-personalize their offerings to drive better engagement and return on investment um, using uh, AI on device on your mobile phone. So that's kind of what my company does in a nutshell. Uh, I'm quite new to Pix and I. I've been here uh, four months now. Um, previously to that, I worked for a number of um, SMEs, uh, businesses that normally when I joined didn't have a marketing team or had one person, two people in the marketing team. And uh, kind of with a, with a goal of helping the business uh, drive demand very quickly with kind of strong exit plans. Um, and here, when I've now I've joined Pix and I, um, it's my goal is very much that is help us uh, go from being kind of that startup to now the scale up business, help us grow our, our business, our kind of commercial team, help us grow our marketing team from, you know, one to two people to five, six, seven people, um, help us grow and drive demand. Uh, really, really fast. So um, we've had some brilliant investment um, uh, and we're now looking to kind of um, scale our business really, really quickly. Great That's intro, Olivia. Thank you. That's awesome. Um, so yeah, so just to get started, I guess uh, jumping off uh, right into the deep end here. Uh -huh. um, so you know, one of the big things that that uh, that we get as marketers is, you know, a level of uncertainty, especially when we go into, you know, a startup environment or a scale up environment, right? Where we're essentially defining things um, uh, ourselves uh, and figuring out ourselves at such a small stage. Um, now, along the way, um, you uh, you learn a lot, and and things that you would have, you would have hoped at some point to have had the a hindsight to have known, which would ultimately have led you to a much faster implementation of things or make decisions significantly faster. Mm. Um, now, with that said, you know, what, what is, you know, what could be one thing, it could be multiple things, but what, what would you have wished that you had known or somebody had told you when you first started off in marketing? Mm. Gosh, so many things. Um... <laughs> I suppose I would just say to start, it's not that black and white. I think when I was fresh out of university and I joined marketing teams, um, I was very much like, well, you know, the theory behind marketing is this and best practice would suggest that we do X and Y. But um, theory actually means nothing when it comes to the crux of actually doing, doing marketing. I think um, it, for me, it's all about trial um, try, test, uh, learn, repeat, 
I think uh, is almost, I should write a blog about that, I think. Um, yeah, it's all trial and error, learn. There is no um, kind of uh, black and white best practice example. It's um, what's best for you in your business right now, what's best for your team and you know where they are, uh, what's best for your database and the type of customer that you're selling to. So I think, um, yeah, if I could look back now, I would definitely say, um, kind of scrap everything that you've basically learned at university and uh, <laughs> roll up your sleeves and just, you know, dive straight in and just learn as you go. Yeah. And, and that, like, I, I completely agree. And I think you, you get stuck in, in a, you know, I think you get stuck in a world where you want to learn as much as possible and you might be just looking at blog posts or reading forum posts and you're just, you know, oh, this is great information and you're trying to absorb as much as possible. Uh, but then, you know, the time comes where you're going to have to actually do something, right? Like you can only learn so much of what other people are saying um, to an extent, right? And then, you know, actually applying it, right? I think that's ultimately like what you're saying as well as, you know, as you, you can, you can, you can absorb information, but you have to test it. You got to hit the market with something and get your, find your, you know, get your own findings exactly. um, and understand how it impacts your audience and your customers, because yeah. that's going to change from company to company, industry to industry, um, and what, what, what might work for one might not work for somebody else. Right. Correct. Um, so applicability and, and hitting the market and testing it. I, yeah, I couldn't agree more that that's yeah. invaluable. And, and in my personal opinion, I think it's much more valuable than reading blog posts and reading forum posts uh, mm -hmm. or attending webinars, except for, you know, scale up Academy, of course, um, <laughs> that, uh, you just gotta, you gotta, you gotta do it. Like, forget about what everybody says about try this and try that. Just do it, pick something. And if it fails, exactly. You learn something. It yeah, failed. quite right. Yeah, you should never be afraid afraid to fail in marketing. Um, it, it kind of your best learnings come out of failing, to be honest, in marketing. So yeah, yes. And it's almost cliche nowadays, right? Everybody talks about like fail fast and and just don't be afraid to fail. But but it is true, right? I think there's some some statistics out there that you know say like ninety percent or more of experiments fail, right? Mm. And you don't have to be afraid of that. Correct. Yeah. Uh, and I suppose when you think about like what is what does failure look like? I suppose in my job where I'm very much focused on driving demand and getting leads, you know, failure is you don't get any leads. I mean, it's not the end of the world. Um, you just try it. You try something different. You try something new. So um, failure doesn't have to be that scary. Yeah, and probably not. It's probably not the right word to use failure because it yeah. seems so morbid. You know what I mean? Mm. Like you failed at life. It's kind of something yeah. that you see in movies. Yeah, but it's not really the case of uh, in real life. No, I think also marketing is so agile that yes, you know, you might try something this morning and you know you're not getting the results that you want or um, you know the traction that you hoped for, and so you know tomorrow morning you you tweak it, you make a change, and you try again. So it's um, it's not the end of Yeah, that's right. And then I guess to, to segue into my next question, which is around, you know, I, I believe you mentioned you've been at Pixie now for four months, uh, mm -hmm. which is somewhat aligned to how long I've been at Flybits. I've been at Flybits now yeah. for about seven, eight months as well. Okay. So, you know, short term, less than a year, yeah. you know, getting our feet wet in, you know, in a, a smaller business per se, not necessarily yeah. one of, you know, the big guys or girls. Um, the, uh, <laughs> I just have to make sure I clarify that. Um, <laughs> so, you know, 
the like I alluded to earlier, there's there's a certain level of uh, of uncertainty or ambiguity when you get into our uh, types of businesses, right? A lot of there's a lot of things that aren't defined, no process defined. You have to figure it out and scale as you go. Um, so as it is fresh on your mind, you know, mm. first ninety days, new yeah. role, head of marketing. What yeah. does that look like? What do you want to accomplish? Interesting question. Um, so yeah, so I suppose you sort of have to juggle uh, short-term and long-term kind of strategies. So uh, yes, you want in 90 days to have a strong output at the end of it that you can maybe take to your first board meeting and say, hey, you know, thanks for your investment. We've invested this and we've got, you know, X, Y, Z to show for it, you know, leads, new uh, opportunities, new sales. Um, but in the short term, you know, three months is quite a long time when you work in a business that, you know, hasn't ha had a, a marketing team or has had a very small marketing team that they've suddenly put some significant investment and gone, great, here you go, go, you know, go do and make some magic happen. So in that, those sort of 90 days, you still need to be able to kind of show you know, on a, on a weekly basis, kind of some of the output, if you like, um, sometimes even if it's visually, um, you know, sometimes just talking about these, you know, amazing campaigns that you're working on, you know, for anyone that doesn't work in marketing or hasn't worked closely with the marketing department, they can sort of glaze over and probably not really understand what that actually means for the business. Um, so I now do a, a weekly report and I just show them visually some of the things that we're working on, like um, email uh, campaigns, digital ads to support, you know, demand generation activities, you know, new downloadable content that help might uh, might help us you know build a database tangible things that they can actually see um makes them visualize oh this is you know this is where our investment is going this is what the guys are busy doing um so i feel like you know you kind of got to manage these short-term and long-term strategies yes you, you you're working to this big picture of you know uh, putting you know functionality and processes in place and building a team and doing all these great things in your campaigns but um, whilst you're busy away doing all these things everyone else is scratching their heads going what are they doing and so uh, just being able to show tangible things um, really makes a difference to you know your internal comms and you know making sure that your peers are on board uh, and buy into you know marketing so yeah for me that's what the first 90 days looks like is it's you know, your weekly short term uh, kind of activities uh, matched with your longer term vision and what you want to have output um, after your first quarter, essentially. Yeah, it's, it's funny that you, you mentioned that, it, you know, people sometimes wonder, like, what does marketing do, especially yeah. when you're like in those process in that process definition stage, right, where you're just trying to, you know, make sure everything is uh, is written down so as you scale up your team people can pick yes. up where you left off and and you can scale the business right and people are just like looking as like what what do you do exactly and then you have to you have to demonstrate that the return that the team exactly on, right? yeah. yeah i mean but for a lot of businesses scaling um you know marketing probably won't, wouldn't have been um initially uh, had much budget or resource so normally scale ups are where they might have had one sale sorry one yeah, started, you know, with one salesperson and possibly an intern that doing a bit of marketing on the side, but also helping the commercial team. And then suddenly they're like, oh, actually, we've got some customers. 
oh, let's grow this. Or, you know, we need to, we need to go to the next tier and the next tier after that. And so you suddenly bring in this marketing team and they've, they kind of got a, we've got to, you know, rub our elbows and, you know, make a kind of new department from scratch and kind of go, we're here and, you know, kind of without kind of stepping on toes and getting in the way and upsetting people. I guess a lot of the business need to kind of buy into this marketing team and this investment and what we can we can do to help the rest of the business, essentially. So a lot of it is a, a relationship um, thing, you know, kind of uh, uh, winning your uh, by you know getting your peers on board with your vision and your strategy and and what you hope to achieve and also you need a lot of your peers as well I would say um, you know when you're new to a business um, you need your peers to help you understand the, the customer the product that you're selling so um, you know really getting your your colleagues and, and the whole um, business uh, on board with marketing is really advantageous really quick just to just listen in there it sounds like you're actually marketing your marketing skills internally <laughs> as a form of marketing right Correct. i mean like you're marketing yeah. your ability to market the company inside of the company which i yeah. think is is maybe something that the scale up you forget because you're so focused on the outbound but mm -hmm. unless you've got a really cool whiteboard in the background like Rui does like people <laughs> might walk into your office and think like what are you doing you're like this is what i'm doing here so it's a dual marketing strategy. I thought that was unique. I just want to chirp Thank in. Thank you. Yeah, 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 it's a good point. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's actually really good. I didn't even think about it that way, but that's so true. Mm -hmm. um, and it's it's and do you find it? Um, you know, I, you know, we're both in B two B, right? Mm -hmm. Essentially, and and do you find that it's even in B two B versus B two C? It's 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 almost like more so the case, right? Because typically in B two B or typically B two C. Um, you generally don't have salespeople or at least like a, like a BDR, AE type of sales force. Yeah. Whereas in, in, in B2B, you have that much more, right? And especially at early stage startups, you know, they, they rely a lot on their AEs and then BDRs, et cetera, to generate business. And they've been used to that process. And now you incorporate, you know, a marketing function or you're scaling up your marketing function. Yeah. And they're like, well, we generate business this way. Now marketing has to support that and both augment what they're doing and generate business themselves. And you have to validate that as a, a, an effective function. Yes. Do you find that as well? Absolutely. Yeah. It's um, something I've actually experienced most recently is, um, you know, when uh, you're looking to approach particular businesses from a marketing perspective and, and you, you know, kind of, you need to kind of be very aligned with sales and sales are like, Oh, well, you know, I'm already speaking to those people or, you know, oh, well, I would plan to speak to them once our product, you know, has achieved this or, uh, and it's sort of like, well, you know, that's absolutely fine. But, you know, perhaps marketing could um, maybe uh, make this conversation easier for you from a sales perspective. You know, what can we do to make this conversation easier? And, uh, you know, we're here to help sales, not hinder them. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. It's back to that sort of um marketing at marketing internally conversation of uh you know helping the business understand how they can use marketing to their advantage that's right yeah it's, it's a good way of putting it and mm -hmm. and to add and to add a few more points onto that same subject of like that 90 days in the role um from my perspective as well so i completely agree with everything you said Mm. Um, and another thing is, is, um, I find that's valuable is immersing yourself in the business, right? Mm. Like everything from understanding, um, financially, how the business works, how do you make money? How much money do you make? Uh, what are your margins like? 
um, understanding customer acquisition costs, lifetime value, getting all those metrics in, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because then when you define your campaigns or when you at least audit the campaigns or the work that's been done, if you've inherited a marketing team, you get a better idea of what works and what doesn't, right? And then you can de- determine later on whether you want to, you know, nix something from your strategy or the existing strategy and then apply something else. And then further that is prioritizing that, right? Is, is understanding what's really going to make the biggest impact or you believe is going to make the biggest impact on the business, right? You can't work on everything, right? You don't have a, you know, unless you do, which if some people in, on this webinar or this podcast do have, you know, hundred person teams, et cetera, that's fantastic. Like that's great. Mm. But for us that are scaling up, we don't have that luxury. So we need to really pick and choose what we work on when we work on it. That ultimately makes the biggest impact on the business. And Absolutely. we need to scrutinize that, right? We really need to scrutinize that. And, mm-hmm. and only, uh, only the people in the business know what will make that biggest impact. And then ultimately focusing on those, right? Stop, ignore all this other fancy stuff that you think might work, right? It's so easy to get that, like that even developers and, and product people, like they get scope creep and all that stuff where that, you know, you know their work increases significantly based on all these desires. In marketing, the same thing can happen, right? Where it's like, oh, I want to do this Demandian campaign and this new tech came out and I want to try that. And, and then, oh, I, this influencer strategy seems to be really cool. And I want to do that. it's like, okay, slow down, <laughs> like focus on something, get it done, validate that it works and then go from there. Otherwise, you're never going to accomplish anything. Mm. Absolutely. I, I would absolutely agree with all of those um, comments. Um, I would agree also in terms of, you know, when you're prioritizing, um, you're right, there is so much you can do uh, when you first start. And I suppose when you're quite new to a role as well, you're so enthusiastic and, you know, keen to prove, you know, all these great things can potentially work. And uh, But it's, um, you're right, you you can end up stretching yourself very thin to begin with and your, and your team. Uh, and also, you know, uh, on a scale up budget, um, you know, budget isn't infinite. So you're, you are restricted by your, you know, what your financial director is um, allocated to you as well. So you really, ha- in my experience, have to demonstrate ROI uh, from every single activity that you do. Um, so that's um, been my experience for sure. Awesome. And <clears throat> these are segueing really well into each other, I might add, just to, just to say that. Uh, but how do you, how, you know, what are the most important metrics or what are the success metrics you look at? Uh, you know, do they differ by channel? Do you go more macro, micro? How do you think about metrics? And then how do you demonstrate success in your role? Um, it's an interesting question. Um, I found um, something that I've used a lot in, in quite a few roles. Uh, there's a really good HubSpot uh, template that I've used in the past that's free of charge. Um, I found it's, it's the best way to kind of... Um, provide the right kind of metrics so it helps you with the short term like you know what's your social growth how many web visits have you had um what's the kind of growth of your overall week reach uh, as well as how many leads are generating how many of those are converted into sales um and uh, then thinking about the longer term kind of conversion metrics, which you might not need straight away, but they will really help you further down the line. So, you know, from your web visits to uh, MQL to SQL. So um, from your, say, 10,000 visits to your website, how many of those have you converted into to leads that you've then qualified into sales? 
uh, and really down the line, um, maybe once you've done sort of six, 12 months worth of, um, you know, your marketing strategy, you're really able to then look at the data and go, right, well, from, you know, this amount of activity, we know we've converted this many um, deals. Therefore, if we do, you know, spend twice as much and do this much, then we know we're going to get twice as many deals. And then also looking at where you can optimize that journey and, you know, uh, improve conversion rates and processes. And also, I think, you know, when you're a scale up and you're kind of growing fast, you might spend a lot more time and money uh, kind of setting new processes in place, building, um, you know, uh, a database, uh, creating a um, uh, a library of content, you know, that you may not have existed before. So sort of in, if you like, the first year is um, a lot more um, kind of uh intensive in terms of the output and then you kind of utilize um, that material once it's there so um, but I find that um, that template just is really really helpful in helping to demonstrate short-term success as well as helping influence um, your understanding of what's um, what's working in the long term. Awesome. Yeah, I'd be interested to see that template. Maybe, uh, maybe the team at ScaleUp can add that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that uh, people can get access to that. Mm. Um, yeah, and, and it's, yeah, and, and I agree. I think there's, you know, there's so many levels of metrics, right? Like you can, you can look at virtually anything. And, and the way that I typically think about it is I, I always separate vanity, vanity metrics with revenue-based metrics, right? Something that helps drive business growth. And the other one is what helps get you to be able to drive business growth. Um, and the vanity metrics are things like, you know, web traffic and, and social growth, et cetera, that helps you understand how your message is resonating with just the general, your general audience, the people that you communicate with. And then when you look at revenue growth is essentially how, how effective are you at taking people through that journey and getting them to actually buy your product, right? You know, th you know the whole MQL, SQL approach, right? MQL is also another thing that, at least for me, you know, I've, I've always found it an interesting metric only because it's like you can't, it, it's not a cookie cutter metric, right? Like MQLs, everybody defines them differently depending on the different stages of business they're in, depending on the industry they're in. And it's, you know, some people just say MQLs, like anybody that drives a lead for marketing or a marketing related channel that comes through as a marketing, marketing qualified lead, whereas other people get, get, you know, significantly more complex in their, in their equation to define what a marketing qualified lead is. Mm. Um, however, still extremely valuable. And, and I and I ultimately find you know and, and I've based on my 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 learnings you know albeit you know to an extent limited to, compared to a lot of people in, in the industry um, the, that you know customer acquisition cost um, is a is a is a, a really important metric and it's it's the the one that's really going to define whether or not what you're doing is effective. Now it's also important to note that if you have long sales cycles it's going to be very hard to, for you to get customer acquisition costs right away. If you have short sales cycles, it's going to be a lot easier. Mm. Um, so you need those ancillary metrics to help you understand whether or not you're being effective along the way, like the conversion rates, like those other types of vanity metrics, which are mm. important to understand. But when you do get customer acquisition costs, in, in my own opinion, I think that that is your sort of North Star um, because you need to understand whether you're actually helping the business make money. And if the business isn't making money, then everybody else is going to be on LinkedIn looking for jobs. 
uh, <laughs> and you don't want to be the one on LinkedIn looking for jobs, especially no. only if you've only been in the role for a few months or a year or whatever it might mm-hmm. be because the business didn't, you know, make it through. So, yeah, I, I think it's super important. And, and you know, um, one of the books that I really enjoy reading, especially when it comes to topics like this, is, uh, is Sean Ellis's uh, Hacking Growth book. I think it's a great book to, to learn about sort of the process of understanding how these metrics work you know, getting away from your typical vanity metrics. Uh, and there's so many ways of looking at it and differing opinions, et cetera. But I find that hacking growth book a very, very good uh, reference point, at least for my right. own. Hmm. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think um, in the past also, it's um, I've been um, sort of swayed by, you know, um, the board members, for example, to um, provide a lot more information and you can mm-hmm. end up spending, you know, three days putting together your, your <laughs> quarterly board pack or month, uh, report just because, you know, it's sort of right. death by data. There's just so much to know. Uh, and uh, yeah, so sometimes just keeping it a bit more simple, um, especially for sort of scale ups anyway. And, and um, you know, uh, when you're wanting to grow and, and your first year of really kind of, um, growing marketing. Uh, I sometimes find just keeping it s- slightly scaled back as well is also a good thing because sometimes too much information can um, cause too many sort of complicated questions later on as well. So mm-hmm. yeah, very good point. I think that's, <laughs> that should be an asterisk in any metrics you pull, whether it's only a few or you've spent three full days pulling. Yeah. Metrics. I've been there. I'm sure we yeah. will have that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, so now that we know a few things, right? We know, uh, you know, s- some of the things you do when you start and things you would hope to have known um, when you first started as a marketer and some of the metrics you look at, you know, what are some, you know, what are some other key challenges that you face um, when you look at scaling up that team? Because I'm sure there are many and I've experienced, mm. personally experienced many, but you know, what, what have you seen? I think, um, you know, it's when you when you kind of come in and, and possibly if there's an existing teams um, already in place or one or two members who um, have been doing some marketing before, perhaps they started um, in a junior role and, and taken on some marketing responsibilities and suddenly the business is looking to grow really quickly and, you know, they bring in, you know, uh, the marketing expert to help them grow. Um, often you're inheriting a marketing team um, and, uh, you know, you have, you know, expectations from the business straight away to hit the ground running, if you like. Uh, so I suppose one of the key challenges is, you know, how do you um, utilize the team that's already there and, you know, help onboard them in training, uh, you know, as fast as you can so that they can be more effective and help um, kind of go uh, grow with the speed that you want to. Uh, and also, you know, then hiring around those existing skills that you've already got. You know, like I said, right back from the beginning, it's very easy to come in with, you know, your your theory of how, you know, best practice would say that you could, should build a team this way. But uh, in reality, that's that's rarely happens because it's very rare that you actually start to join a job where you get to build an, an entire group team from the ground up. So, you know, that's a challenge in itself is, um, you know, is utilizing the team, making the best of them, um, helping them and guiding them into their own career paths, because sometimes, you know, they won't have actually worked within, um, you know, a a structured marketing team before or a marketeer. So they wouldn't have had that guidance or even that vision of potentially where they could go in the future. 
Um, and also kind of marketeers that, you know, have been very um, set in a certain way and worked in a certain way and helping them to kind of, you know, open their um, kind of opportunities of other ways of working as well. Um, yeah, I, I would say that's definitely one of the biggest challenge challenges I've faced in every role I've worked in when I've managed a team anyway. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a great point. It, yeah, it's 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 like the the junior marketers, so those that need direction and mm. the ones set in their own ways, <laughs> those that need a little more nurturing and of a different uh, nature. Mm. Uh, yeah, though that's great points. And anything to add to that? Even budget, right? Like budget's a big challenge, right? You'd love to have unlimited, you know, deep pockets, oh, yeah. be able to go out and it's like, oh, I'm going to go buy a thousand or 10,000 or a hundred thousand dollars worth of swag. Cause it makes <laughs> everybody who doesn't like swag. Right. Oh yeah. Um, but you know, the, the world doesn't work that way, unfortunately. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And we need to be, uh, you know, conscious of how we spend our money and, and the, the money that we have to spend within our budgets effectively. Um, and I think that's a big one. And, and, and thinking about what, you know, tying it back to what your priorities are ultimately, right? Like, don't just go out there and make print a bunch of t-shirts because you think it's oh, cool. No. Like, yeah. how is that going to, you know, what's, what's really going to drive growth for you? And where do you want to spend that money, right? You can buy your t-shirts eventually. Go buy a t-shirt at the store and then buy one of those kits you can get online on like Amazon and you like mm. steam it on or something or iron it on the shirt and you, yeah. you get what you got. Uh, but spend the budget wisely in the Correct. areas that matter, whether it's demand gen for you and you need to spend some money there, whether you need to hire an external resource and a freelancer mm -hmm. and you use that money wisely there, mm -hmm. or whether you need a piece of tech, right, and, and, and use it there. And, and we're going to get into tech um, shortly and we'll talk about that a little bit and how to think about it. But uh, there's so many areas, right, of how to spend that money um, uh, wisely where you don't actually just kind of throw it down the drain and have Correct. no way to demonstrate its value in return. Mm. Um, so how do you think about as a segue, obviously you took the high, the sort of the employee approach, you know, uh, nurturing people and, and, and ultimately trying to help others that have been in the role for a while. Um, how do you think about hiring when you're actually looking at bringing more people on board as you're scaling up that marketing team? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, who do you hire? Why do you hire them? What order do you hire them in? <laughs> what do you look for? There's so many questions. Yeah. That's so a really interesting question. Um, it's, I would say it's a fine art, to be honest. Um, and, you know, hiring, um, I think, uh, like I, I said at the beginning, you have to make a few mistakes to kind of learn. Um yeah, it's a fine art. I think a lot of it's just a skills, uh, a, a, sorry, not a skills, a personality match. You know, you don't want, you know, a team full of the same type of person with the same personality. Um, so it's sort of uh, trying to identify different strengths within different individuals and, you know, their personality and what they can bring. Um, I once filled a role, uh, one, and... Um, I found that team was just so quiet. They were all very good at their jobs, uh, but they just sat quietly doing their job and there was just no chat, no banter, nothing. Everyone was just, you know, working away. And so I once filled a role. I said to the team, I was like, we need to find someone who's got some pizzazz to jazz this team up. So yeah, we, we, we filled a role just to bring, um, bring someone in who had, you know, some magic to get everyone to open up and chat and relax a bit as well. So um, 
but yeah, I think it's a fine art. Uh, I often kind of start with, by mapping to the funnel. So I tend to try and find someone who could own top of funnel, for example. So someone who can um, look after content, social media, digital web, those sorts of things, help us drive and build our database. And then someone who can help us convert that data once it's into the database. So middle and bottom of the funnel. And they require very different kind of um, types of people. Um, people, uh, so, so for example, someone who's much more sales orientated um, to help me convert um, MQLs into real opportunities, someone who loves to chat and to help me pre-qualify those sales calls, someone who's happy to sit on the phone is going to be very different to the type of person who, um, you know, wants to sit and analyze data uh, to the nth degree to help me optimize my digital campaign. So, yes, you can sort of have a good understanding of the type of person that might um, enjoy a role more but also you want to bring people in who have different personalities that can bring um, something new uh, and something different to the mix in marketing. How about you? Yeah, soft skills are great. I think that, you know, um, especially where, dependent on what you're hiring for and this, the type of role within the marketing function you're hiring for, I think, you know, soft skills weigh in heavier uh, mm -hmm. than technical skills right Absolutely. like you're, if you hire a designer you're not necessarily going to look just for soft skills because of course not yeah right because you want you want them to actually <laughs> great right it's so yeah right. thanks for talking a lot but now let's actually make okay. some really good looking things happen mm -hmm. right but i completely agree i think you need that you need a, a, a certain a certain level of team dynamic that um that encourages discussion that encourages collaboration and, and soft skills are, you know, are, are definitely that, that trait that you need to look for in, in certain roles. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the way I look at hiring is, um, is, is pretty simple, right? I, I look at hiring based on the business stage we're in, right? So what do we need? What can complement the business right now and drive it forward? And then I look at what I bring to the table and I look for somebody that, dry, that delivers something or provides something that I can't provide, or at least that I hate providing. I don't excel in. And then I get somebody that's complementary to what I do. And this is like early stage, right? These are you're talking about. It's like you're one person and you need to bring somebody else on board. You bring somebody in that can bring something else that you can't bring to the table. Mm -hmm. um, and then you look for that soft skill component, right? Like are they, you know, do they have the, the discoverability component? Um, that person that wants to learn more is, has this aspiration to be better and always, you know, interested in, in educating themselves, et cetera. Uh, and then there's a the technical-based skills that you need to bring somebody on for, right? Um, you know, if you're, if you're an analyst and you're going to be doing a deep dive in whether it's Google Analytics or Tableau or, you know, any other platform, you want somebody that's super technical, has strong math skills, understands how to infer based, you know, things based on data. And then on the design side, same thing, super technical skills. The soft skills come in, I find typically more when you talk about things like content people and, and social media, et cetera, people that are more social, people that understand um, that are strong in, in certain components uh, of the of their skill set and that's pretty much it right like I, I think the biggest one for me has always been complementary skills because if I can do the job then I don't need somebody to do it for me I need somebody that can do what I can't do and help drive business growth and if I can find that person you know great like that's the one that I want mm. absolutely I think it's all very well um, saying things that you can't do, absolutely. But um, sometimes you just don't have the capacity as well. You just need to have, right. you know, hire someone in that can just take this big, you know, piece of work off your hands and, and own it um, to right. free you up to be able to kind of 
um, do your job better. You know, sometimes when you're scaling up and you're going from just being a, a one man band to a two, you know, you're stretched so thin that uh, you find, you know, that the quality of your own work just uh, gets worse because, you know, you just have so little time to dedicate to, to each and every uh, job. Yeah, I completely agree. Right, you need to delegate, and you need to hire somebody that's competent to be competent enough to delegate to and to take on further, you know, higher level responsibilities within the organization. So, yeah, for sure. Um, so, I, I don't, uh, Ryan. How are we for time here? Um, uh, I know we're, we're on there. a roll, here, but I just want to make sure that we're we've good. been on a roll the whole time. We were we've been rolling the whole time. But I'd say maybe find uh, you know the 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 final question you want to ask her, and then. Uh, I have something very special for the recap. It's not going to take much time, but it's very special. I'm, oh, just I'm, gonna... so, I'm, I'm so excited about that. <laughs> um, so, okay. So I think, you know, um, you know, we had a few more questions, but we're obviously running out of time here. So I think I'll probably just like go down to the last one, which is more mm -hmm. of a futurist uh, view of, uh, of marketing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so what do you think the, the biggest changes or even challenges in marketing are going to be within the next few years? Um, it's an interesting question. I think um, it's around personalization, um, you know, and the relevancy of message. I think, um, you know, new models of marketing, be it, you know, content and digital, has meant that a lot of businesses now are pushing out content left, right and center. There's a lot of messages. There's a lot of, you know, uh, sales products um people kind of buying data and and you know just mass emailing off the cuff um for me i think um reading some interesting articles today about some of the retailers like you know john lewis and waitrose really struggling with their margins because they're having to compete with some, some of the bigger uh kind of retailers who are monopolizing uh, the market in terms of price point so for me i think it's i think the shift is going to move from customer acquisition to customer attention and focusing a lot more on uh, selling to existing uh, businesses. I know from my past roles, um, selling into the white space uh, ended up being a lot more fruitful in terms of, you know, upselling to existing customers than it was trying to find new customers, especially in the B2B space. Um, you know, uh, the cost of acquiring new customers now can be very, very high. And especially for scale ups who might not have these infinite budgets, actually just looking at your existing customers and how you can continue that partnership. So for me, I think relevancy um, of messages at the right time for the right audience is going to be the, the new kind of change and challenge that the marketing industry is facing now. And I don't think they're going to solve it overnight. I think it's going to be an ongoing shift, at least for a few years now. Yeah, I completely agree with increasing that share of wallet, right? I think yeah. that you have, uh, you know, you have a head start in being able to, you know, just generate more business from existing accounts, right? There's so yeah. much open there and yeah. you can have ancillary products or services, or you might just be missing a component of it that you're, you're just not aware of right away without doing a deep dive into it. And in my opinion, from a futurist perspective, I think it's predictive uh, experiences. Like mm -hmm. I think that's the next step, right? Like marketing has always traditionally been build a segment, hope for the best, execute on it. Let's try to make money, right? <laughs> like that's just been the strategies that, you know, broken down into, into, into the core. It's, it's just been what they've been, right? You just, you build it a segment, whether it's a digital, you know, on Facebook ads or whether it's on, 
you know, whatever uh, channel you're using and then you execute. But I think the predictive experiences are definitely going to be uh, next generation. I think that's what's going to be really going to drive growth for businesses. And, and we're seeing that now um, where companies are being much more receptive to one-to-one personalized experiences. Mm-hmm. Everybody's different. People have different things happening in their okay. lives at different stages in their lives and different times of day. And some people work nights, some people work days, like so many variables, nobody's the same. You, sh- you know, sending an email on Wednesdays at 3 p.m. is not the answer. <laughs> Just make sure that's clear. Yeah. Whatever best practice you see online that yeah. says, Wednesdays, Tuesdays, or Thursdays between 8 and 3 p- 8 a.m. and 3 p.m. is wrong. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's the, the, the best practice is do what your customer wants and do what your customer needs. That's the best mm-hmm. practice. Absolutely. Just to add to that, I think it's just be really interesting. I just think marketers are becoming smarter and they're starting to understand this. I think there's a lot of marketers saying, talking about it but actually doing it is a very different thing and I'm really excited to see where this goes I think you know it's really going to be uh, amazing uh, to watch this develop uh, uh, and at least from a consumer point of view if nothing else um, to kind of watch uh, how marketing changes yeah well thank you Olivia Um, Mm -hmm. I hope you enjoy this as much as I did And now um, I believe that Ryan has a surprise that I've been waiting for this whole time. Uh Oh, yeah, no, you you mentioned a hand puppet and just it just happened to be that there was one here. Um, And (laughs) and we we were talking offline, uh, just trying to think what would be a good way to sum up something that was so powerful. And and he said, a haiku. So I'm like, all right, fine. So we wrote a haiku together here and. you know, he's not very talkative, so I'm just going to read it here. But if you don't know, a haiku is five syllables, seven syllables, and five syllables, which is really a process of, of taking what is complicated and making it very simple. And, and that's what you guys did today. So, um, yeah, I'll go ahead and do this. <laughs> First five syllables is try, test, learn, repeat. So try, test, learn, repeat. That's five syllables. Then let the right metrics guide you. Not all, because we got vanity and we have the other. And finally, I think my favorite part, yours too, yeah, was market marketing. That's it. Because you have to sell yourself to the board. You have to sell yourself to the employees. You have to sell yourself to everyone out there. And as a marketer, I think we forget to market ourselves. And so if you're not marketing yourselves internally, you're not going to get the right type of team. Uh, you're not going to get the right type of, uh, of sort of validation from the board members. That's going to lead to lack of a budget. You're not going to scale up. So this idea of try, test, learn, repeat, make sure that you're using the right metrics and market marketing. So there's our haiku, got to get a little credit out of here. But you know, it, it, at the end of the day, um, you have to quit smarter. And I think I really like that, right? It's not about failing, that's not the right word, but it's about quitting smarter. So try, test, figure out what's failing and then quit accordingly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is, it is the burden of the company to stay in business by those who are marketing to make sure that you continue to scale. So it's very important. And if anybody out there is watching this, they like this, uh, go to scaleupacademy.io. And if you wanna learn about scaling up talent, which we got into, we've got a podcast on that. If you wanna find out how to scale up on finance, we've got a podcast about that. So this is just really one good quiver, uh, one good arrow in your quiver when it comes to marketing, but it's like probably the most important arrow that you have. So I really enjoyed this. Did you enjoy this? 
Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> and we'll see everybody next week. But it's been great, you guys. And keep doing what you're doing. Feel free to reach out. And again, we're all stronger marketers together because at the end of the day, you can have an amazing product. You can have amazing AI service. But if nobody knows about it, you will go out of business. <laughs> <laughs> so on that note, uh, enjoy the rest of the day in London here. I'm going to pretend like I'm in London for the rest of the day. And, uh, and we'll go from there. But it was great to meet you guys. We'll hopefully see you online. Great. Thank you very much. Bye, guys. All right.